Hi, this is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us. I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Great to have you here. Uh, for those that are visiting, you're out of town or just first-time guests, been checking it out. It's great to have you. We're honored that you're here. You could be anywhere else this morning, so thanks so much for being here. We are in uh, part three of a series that we have been uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. We've entitled that series, The God I Never Knew. Before I get into the message, though, I just want to make us aware of some upcoming dates because I don't assume that you actually listen to the video announcements (laughs) because you don't. And so I just want to walk you through some dates that are upcoming and you can put them on your calendar and then you can't have an excuse because I have your full attention right now. Coming up the very first weekend of June... We're going to do a combined service between the 9 and the 11 and then have a, what, what I call family picnic day here on the grounds. We're just going to grill out and have, I've already had people from the 9 and the 11 say, I never get to see so-and-so, where are they at? And I go, well, they go to a different service. So one of the ways that we can try to accomplish our unity, our unity is just to, to create moments where we're still all together and we're standing shoulder to shoulder and very crowded. And then when we do that, you'll realize why we do two services. But we're going to do that on June the 5th, the very first weekend of summer, really. We're going to do that here at the church, and I think we're doing that at our, at our, our initial time. It was at 10.30, so we'll do that combined service at 10.30. All y'all will get to sleep in on that Sunday, and you won't be out as early as you normally are, but we will be uh, joining with the other service as well. So that's on, on the 5th. Then on the 12th, we kick off a new series that's called Running with the Giants, and through the summer, we're going to just be looking at the giants of our faith. And each week looking at a different character of the Bible. Sometimes we think of characters, we just think that they're just these fictional people. These were actually real people with real lives and real pain and real hurt. And God used them in miraculous ways, just like he wants to use you as well. So we'll be starting that on June 12th. Then on July the 16th, we have our annual Serve Day where we join hundreds of other churches around the nation. That on one day, we just serve our community. We do everything in our power to find uh, projects and things we can do around the area to just serve. And if you have ideas or if you have uh, potential projects that we can be getting involved in, please let us know. You can let uh, Jennifer Turns know that or Amber Nutton, anyone in our connections, just let them know if you have a project that you'd like to be doing on July the 16th. And then uh, that following week, we have VBS for our kids. That's running all week, July 18th through the 22nd. That's happening in the evening. So listen, it's free date night for like five nights in a row. It's awesome. It's like just drop your kids off and squeal out of here. Uh, but stop the car before you drop them off. But, you know, let them. So July 18th through the 22nd is VBS. Pastor Corey and all the team will be uh, heading that up. And then finally, the end of July for our students, our high school, uh, middle school, high school, and even our college students, July 28th through the 30th, is the Motion Conference, and that's going to be awesome. They're going down to Birmingham. It's going to be amazing, and we're partnering with Church of the Highlands on that. So just mark your calendar on those upcoming events. I think they may mention some of those in the video announcements, but you're actually listening now. So you have them, and we're excited about all the things that's happening through the summer. Um, the Holy Spirit. Boy, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. It's a controversial topic. It's a topic that has divided churches, divided denominations, created denominations. And so we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. Maybe you grew up in a church where they just didn't talk that much about the Holy Spirit. Um, or maybe uh, you grew up in a church where all you heard was bad about the Holy Spirit. 
or weird, or maybe you didn't grow up in church at all, whatever the case is, over the last couple of weeks, we just addressed some questions concerning the Holy Spirit. And we've simply asked these questions. Who is he? Who is this guy? What's he all about? What role does he play in our lives? Last week, we asked the question, is he a person? And just as a review, yes, he is a person. Maybe you grew up uh, in a church that viewed him as a force or a mystical power of sorts. The Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as it, ever. There's, there's no doubt that he is a person. Last week, we looked at the characteristics and qualities that he has as a person. Mind, will, emotions. But here's why it's so important for you to understand that, that he is a person. Because if you don't see him as a person, you will never develop a personal relationship with him. You don't develop relationships with forces or powers. You develop relationships with people, with persons. Not only is he a person, but he is an equal integral part of the Godhead. In fact, his name is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. His function is to be the Holy Spirit to indwell us, in us, to empower us, to lead us, to guide us into all truth. He can tell you what God thinks about anything, how God feels about something, and he can tell you what God desires for your life. So he's God, he is a person, and if you want to know all that God has for you, you need to develop a personal relationship with him. And I hope that you've spent some time talking to Bill this week. I hope you have. Um, or depending upon your background, maybe that was William or Billy. Um, if, you weren't, if you weren't here last week, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You just missed out. I'm not going to explain it to you. You're just going to have to ask someone. The Holy Spirit, though, brings clarity, brings understanding to the scripture, to the questions that we have. It's one of his roles. Look at John chapter 16, verse 13. It says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. One of the last conversations that he has with his disciples. And he says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So if you want to have a greater understanding of scripture, you might want to develop a better relationship with him. Because he leads you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears because he's an equal integral part of the Godhead, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I'll come back to that. He will glorify me, Jesus says, because it, is, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. For you to have the Trinity represented all right here in this verse. That is why I said, Jesus said, that the Spirit will receive me from what he will make known to you. Did you get all that? The Holy Spirit wants to Get to know you. So not only does he guide us into all truth, but according to verse 13, he will also tell us, another translation says, that he will show us things to come. That word tell or show in the Greek is the word adegio. Yeah, I've got to give you at least one Greek word a week. You know that? It's the word adegio. And here's what this, that word means. It means a guide who shows a traveler the safest course through an unknown country. Think about that. He will tell or show us things to come. That's the word. The Holy Spirit is our own personal guide through life. Like how, how many of life can, can be difficult? Like you, you're trying to make your way through an unknown foreign country. Guess what? He knows the way you should go. He understands how to avoid every trap, every obstacle along the way. When you get into areas that are un, unknown, 
They're not familiar to you. You've never been there before. The Holy Spirit wants to show you how to take the safest route. He wants to show us actually the precise route to take so that we can successfully reach the place that God has placed in your heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead you there. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how to safely get us to our future point of destination. Let me me say it this way. If you don't have the Holy Spirit and you don't have a personal relationship, you will never reach your destination. You will never reach your destiny. The Holy Spirit, he often stopped Jesus from going places. Jesus. He often prompted Jesus to go places. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness, you know, right at the beginning of his ministry, the Holy Spirit led him to that place. He stopped him from going to Bethany, and then he prompted him to go to Bethany. He stopped Paul from going to Asia, and then he prompted Paul. The Holy Spirit leads us and protects us from the snares of this life. He knows the future. He wants to enlighten us with all of the information that we need for every situation. This is good news for you. This is good news for you on Mother's Day 2016. So here's a question. Do you find yourself falling in the snares of life? Do you find yourself taking the long route? Do you find yourself needing clarity? Not understanding scripture, do you want to be led and guided into all truth? You may want to develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is his ministry to us. So we've answered the question, who is he? Is he a person? You can get those in the back at the Connection Center. This week, here's the question we're going to ask. I I think this is kind of a a good question. I I think you're going to like this question that we're going to ask. And here's the question we're going to ask this week. Is he Pentecostal? (laughs) Is he Pentecostal? (laughs) Because, you know, I've heard some things about this guy. And some of it's been a little out there. And, of course, we all know that John was a Baptist. So, um, and he prepared the way. Um, You know, it's it's actually one of the questions that I get asked a lot about the church. They they ask us this question. So, are are y'all Pentecostal? Are you all spirit-filled? They ask me that question a lot. You know, you know what they're really asking? Here's what they're really asking. How crazy are y'all? How, how crazy is it going to get? And behind that question is the real question. And here's this question. Do you speak in tongues? That's the real question they want to know. It is. They, they, they cloak it in. So are you open to the things of the spirit? What they, do you speak in tongues? Just ask me that. That's what they really want to know. But we're not talking about that this week. We're going to address that in a couple weeks. Now, if that ain't a teaser, I don't know what it is. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. And you want to be here for that. Are you Pentecostal? Let me just say this. We believe fully in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. According to Scripture. According to this. We're not affiliated with a specific denomination. People often refer to that as non-denominational. I actually prefer the term interdenominational because we have so many different backgrounds represented in this room right here at Connect. It's one of the things that I love about Connect. With all of the different perspectives, streams that we come from, we're able to find commonality. That's beautiful. And we choose to focus on the things that we agree upon and learn from one another and have a healthy respect for one another 
so that our theological differences become learning opportunities, not debates. It's important. We're not unique in the sense that we're interdenominational or that we're not affiliated with a denomination. We're not any better. Listen, there are wonderful denominational churches here in this area. I have great friends in this area that pastor great denominational churches. Andy Hale at First Baptist, great friend. Chuck Groover at Victory Baptist. Jacob Armstrong at, United Met- at Providence United Methodist. Andrew Wharton at Life Assembly. All great denominational churches. Wonderful leaders. Let me say it this way. We believe in water baptism. It's one of the sacraments that we celebrate here. But we're not a Baptist church. Now, by the way, if you are interested in getting water baptized, May 22nd, we're doing water baptism. Yeah, <laughs> let me just say this. You don't want to miss water. Water baptism here at Connect is a celebration. You do not want to miss it. I've already got several people that have signed up and are ready to go. Some of them are here this morning. But just because we've... We water baptized doesn't make us Baptists. We also believe in spirit baptism, but that doesn't make us a part of a Pentecostal denomination. So so when we say, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? If by Pentecostal you mean uh, ladies can't wear pants or makeup, no. That's That's not what I'm talking about. Nor does it mean that I'm going to put people down that would adhere to that belief. Please don't ever... Put someone else down who is sincere in their belief. Just don't do that. By the, by the way, I love makeup. For, for ladies, for ladies, sorry. <laughs> for, la- for ladies. There's, there's nothing going on around the house that you need to be concerned about. Yeah, my good. The fact that you would assume that, my goodness. But if by Pentecostal you mean the biblical definition of the word Pentecost and that we believe fully in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and that we believe Pentecost is the fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost and that every believer needs a vital personal relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, then yes, the Holy Spirit is Pentecostal. But not just to be in adherence or in accordance with some historical or cultural or denominational definition. And in order to answer that question, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? You have to first answer some other questions. So I don't have simple thoughts for you today. I have questions. Any, any guess on how many questions I have for you? Yeah, I have three simple questions for you today. That's right. Here's the, here's the, first, here's the first question. What is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Like, a lot of people don't even know what Pentecost is, but they're scared of it. Look at Acts chapter 2. It says this, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, I'll come back to that, they were all with one accord in one place. There again is that unity piece. So important. And suddenly, there came, aren't you thankful for the suddenlies, the encounters of God that were suddenly in your life? And suddenly, a sound from heaven came as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Okay, let me just give you some explanation about Pentecost. There were three major feasts that they celebrated in Israel. In the first month, the third month, and the seventh month. And all of Israel would gather, mainly in Jerusalem, they would gather in other parts of Israel, but mainly in Jerusalem, all the people would come together to celebrate these three feasts, and each feast represented something else. So, the feast of Passover was the first 
The Feast of Pentecost was the, the second one that they would celebrate in the third month. And the, the Feast of Tabernacles was in the seventh month. Feast of, Ta- uh, of Passover represented when the spirit of death would pass over. Remember the story? They put the blood of the spotless lamb on the doorpost and the spirit of death passed over from Pentecost was the next one and then the Feast of Tabernacles after that. Maybe you're thinking, well, I thought there were seven feasts. There are technically. Two of the feasts have three and then you have Pentecost by itself. So you have the Feast of Passover, which includes the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits. You got those three. Then you have the Feast of Pentecost. And then you have the Feast of Tabernacles, which includes the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of the Day of Atonement. Seven in total. Are you still with me now? I just want to give you a little history lesson right there. So you have it now. It's free. So, so what is the Feast of Pentecost that they're celebrating? Pentecost, they are celebrating the law being delivered on Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai. And you can figure out what, what Pentecost means if you just break the word down a little bit. It comes from the Greek word Pentecostos. Penta meaning five. So the Pentagon is a five-sided building, right? Penta meaning five. Kostos meaning to the tenth power. So Pentecost means 50 or 50th. It doesn't mean crazy. (laughs) So when it says the day of Pentecost had fully come, here's what it means. When the 50th day arrived after Passover. So the word Pentecost means 50. I want you to think about that. How, how many of us have had a negative connotation of Pentecost? And not, now you know what it means. 50. Okay, look at, look at me. Look at me. 50. Maybe I should do it like this. 50. Or 50. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> 50. 50. Why, why would you ever be afraid of the word Pentecost? It was 50 days after Passover. Maybe the only time 50 is scary is when it's a birthday. I can understand that. But I just want to show you something. Maybe if you're like me and you like numbers, maybe you're thinking through this, it's not adding up. Because the Holy Spirit didn't come 50 days after Passover. Jesus died on Passover. The Holy Spirit came 50 days after resurrection. He rose from the dead on the first day of the week, Sunday, the day after Sabbath, which was Saturday at that time. Okay, I want to show you something that God did. Maybe this may not matter to you. It may matter to about two percent of us, but it's but it's it's in the law because Passover could have landed on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. God, God, even back in Leviticus, look what God says in Leviticus twenty-three. He says this, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. From the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths, okay, seven, that'd be seven weeks, that'd be 49 days, shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. Okay, let me just show this to you. I just, I love the Bible. Think about this. They're celebrating Pentecost, the giving of the law, 50 days after Passover, but God knew that his son, Jesus, was going to die on Passover. And then he would resurrect on the day after the Sabbath. So in Leviticus, God says, I want you to start celebrating this feast, but don't start counting until the day after Sabbath, Sunday. So it doesn't matter if Passover falls in the middle of the week. Start counting on Sunday, 
the day after Sabbath. That's when you start counting the 50 days because God already knew that Jesus would be here on this earth for 40 days and God already knew that Jesus would tell the disciples to go wait for the Holy Spirit for 10 days and he knew that the Holy Spirit would come exactly on the 50th day. I don't know if you even care about that. But I just, I, I just think that's the coolest thing in the world. I just, I just have to believe that, that God likes math too. I just, this makes me feel better that he likes numbers. But it all works out. What is Pentecost? Are you ready? Don't be scared. 50. 50. It's all the world. Are you Pentecostal? Do I believe that it means 50? Yeah. Here's the next question. What, <laughs> what happened at Pentecost? What happened at Pentecost? Look back at Acts chapter 2. We're going to stay basically in Acts this whole morning. So just settle in there. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. Again, everyone has gathered to celebrate this feast, mainly in Jerusalem. And when this sound occurred, the mighty rushing wind, when it occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Let me just, that word language there is the Greek word dialectos. Any guess on what word we get from that word? Dialect. So this means the believers were heard not only speaking different languages, but with specific dialects, the idioms, the phrases, the vernacular, the regional accents that were used in each specific geographical location from which the listeners came. Like To know a language is one thing. To know the different dialects of another language requires years of study and the highest skill. Like imagine what it would have been like to hear a group of simple uneducated, not known for their education and wealth, Galileans, speaking fluently the dialects of many languages, no, no wonder they were confused. They even said this in verse 7, Acts chapter 2, they said, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, these are just simple Galileans speaking here. How, how could they even be doing this? Look, are not all these just Galileans? Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure you're getting this. People from every nation gathered together to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost means, Pentecost, you're still scared of it. Pentecost means 50, yeah, 50 days after Passover. They hear this sound, then they're confused because they're hearing their own dialect being spoken by simple Galileans. Think about this. Genesis, I don't know if this this story will strike a bell. Genesis 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. You remember the story. They were, they're gathered in rebellion. On the day of Pentecost, they're gathered in submission and unity. Tower of Babel, they're gathered in pride because they said, we in our own power can get to God. On the day of Pentecost, they're gathered in humility. Tower of Babel, they spoke one language. And then God came down and confused them and he confused their language and they were scattered to every nation. On the day of Pentecost, every nation is now coming back together. God restores a pure language to them and they heard the wonderful works of God in their own dialect. Let let me say it this way. Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment that took place at Babel. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue by the way, that's what heaven is going to be like. You get a picture of heaven here. 
That, that Greek, the Greek word for uh, every nation is ethnos, every ethnicity. Every tribe, every tongue, every ethnic group praising God. That's what heaven, and it started at Pentecost. So This is the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. Now remember, they're celebrating the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, Moses. Think about the connection and the synergy here between these two occurrences. When the law was given, there was a loud noise. The cloud descended. There was fire. Cloud by day, fire by night, led by the Holy Spirit. God wrote his law on the tablets of stone. And on the day that the law was delivered, 3,000 people died. You think about the connection, the synergy now. On the day of Pentecost, there was a loud noise. They all heard it. There was fire. We're going to talk about that in just a second. There was a cloud. The Holy Spirit came down. God wrote his law now on the tablets of men's hearts. And on that day, 3,000 people came into the kingdom. Like, if you haven't figured out yet, th- this book is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> you can't, you just can't, it's just coincidence, I know. No. The day of Pentecost is the fulfillment of that. Listen, when God gave the law to Moses, they, they couldn't even keep it while he was giving the law to Moses. Like, you've seen the movie, you know what happens, right? <laughs> Moses... <laughs> Moses is up on the mountain getting the law. One of those laws, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And while he's getting that law, they're making another god out of their jewelry. Like, you'll understand, the the ink was not even dry on the tablets yet. And he comes down and they're breaking the law. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he writes God's righteous standards on our hearts. Let me put it another way. Jesus came to put us in right standing with God, but with the the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, right? But the Holy Spirit comes so that we can live righteously. He came to empower us. And friend, if you think you can live in this fallen, sinful, demonic world without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you are kidding yourself. You're fooling yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Which leads to the third question. Can I experience Pentecost? Can I experience it? Is this something that you and I today can experience? Can, can today, can we experience Pentecost? Because I'm living today. That was 2,000 years ago, Devin. Is this something for me today? Back to Acts chapter 2, verse 3. And then there appeared to them. Divided tongues as of fire. There's the fire that I referenced. And one sat upon each of them. I just want you to look at that word divided. Within that word, you'll see D-I-V-I-D. Divid. Right? Now, I, want you, I want you to think about another word that has that, that in it. Individual. Individual. When we think of the word divide, we think of something that's being separated, maybe, maybe even in a negative way. But I just want you to think of it in a different way. If we, ordered, if we ordered pizza for everyone here today, we would divide the pizzas up and everyone would get a piece of pizza. That wouldn't be a bad thing because everyone would get a piece. So here's what it means. Divided tongues simply means that there were individual tongues. Everyone got one. That's what it means. So it could, it could read, there appeared to them 
individual tongues as a fire on, on one that sat on each of them. One of them sat on each of them. And I just want to remind you, you are in each. Well, that's just not the way that I was raised. Okay, I understand that. But the Bible says that one of them sat on each of them, everybody. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let me just stop there because tongues is a scary word. It's a scary word for some people. Tongues comes from the Greek word glossa. Any guess on what word we get from that? Glossary, which simply means language. And they began to speak with another language as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, listen. You don't have to be afraid when someone says tongues. Pentecost, not scary. Tongues, not, it means language. You don't have to be afraid of that. And all of these people from every nation heard the wonderful works of God in their own language, in their own tongue. Listen, don't ever be afraid of reading the Bible. Like, whatever religious or denominational upbringing you had, if if it made you afraid of reading certain portions of the Bible, or if it ignored certain portions of the Bible, there's something wrong with that. You don't have to be afraid of the Bible. Well, I might not understand it. I might not be comfortable with it. How about this? But if I ignore it, I'm not responsible for it, right? No, no, no. I'm responsible for it. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? To guide you into all truth, to reveal truth. Here's the challenge. The very thing that we're afraid of is the very thing that reveals all truth to you. Why are you so afraid? You don't have to ever be afraid of reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit falls. There was an individual tongue of fire on each person's head. So there's a tongue of fire above each person's head. I want you to vision that. If, if, you could, if it happened right now, you'd see a tongue of fire above my head. And I'd see tongues of fire on tops of your head. Every person. Now, my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, is that you couldn't see the tongue of fire that was above your head. Because it would, it would be up here, and every time you would look for it, it would, it would move too. Right. Maybe that's why some people started to try to push your head back so you could try to snow. Mm-hmm. You haven't been to that service. I've been to that service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, here's the, <laughs> here's the reason I'm telling you this, and why I believe that you couldn't see the tongue that was above your own head, because... You had to believe by faith that there was a tongue of fire above your head. How do you receive Jesus? By faith. You know how you receive the Holy Spirit? By faith. By faith. You got to remember, there were 120 people in the room. So this baptism was not just for the twelve. This baptism is not just for the people on the platform. You you have to believe it. Well, sure, I know Pastor Devin has one. Sure, I can see that right over. I can see it. And -and so-and-so definitely has one. They're a little weird, too, but they definitely have one. They have one. That's not the question. The question is, can I experience Pentecost? 
than I experience it. Look back at Acts chapter 1. This is right before Jesus ascends. So this would be within the 40-day window of time that Jesus is back on this earth after his resurrection, before the 10 days. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I want you to make note of that word promise. Which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see the word promise? It's very, very important. Jesus said, wait for the promise. And then he tells them what the promise is. The baptism with the Holy Spirit. Does everyone see that? It's pretty clear. It's pretty simple. You can't interpret that to mean anything else. Wait, Jesus says, don't go anywhere until the promise comes. Well, Jesus, what is the promise? Well, you know, John baptized in water, but I'm going to send someone and I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. Now back to Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes. Peter stands up on that day. Remember, he preaches, he declares truth. And then someone in the back says, hey, what do we have to do now? Peter's response in Acts chapter 2 says this. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sin. Now there he's talking about water baptism. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There again, you need to understand that it's not just a gift. The Holy Spirit is the gift. We get stuck on the manifestation of the real gift. Look at verse 39. For the promise, Peter said. Does that sound familiar? That Jesus... Did Jesus call it the promise? What is the promise? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. So in response to this question, can I, can I experience Pentecost today? Is this something that I can receive today? Because I wasn't alive in Acts chapter 2 when that happened. I, can I receive it today? Jesus said, the promise is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter comes along and says, by the way, this promise is for you, your children, and those who are far off. I don't know if you realize this or not. You are a direct reference to those who are far off. I am too, by the way. We were all afar off. As many as the Lord We'll call. Did God call you? Yeah, sure he did. So the promise is still for you. Okay, remember the three feasts. I'm going to close here. Three feasts, right? Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Okay. The fulfillment of Passover. It was fulfilled on the day that Jesus died. On the day Jesus died, remember, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. This is the first feast, right? Jesus fulfills that. What was Passover prior to Jesus? They would sacrifice a spotless lamb, right? As you, they still celebrate Passover today, Jewish friends. Blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Now, you may not know this. The day that Jesus died, those that were celebrating Passover and sacrificing the spotless lamb, at the exact moment that they were cutting the throat of the lamb, Jesus was being crucified. 9 a.m., At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they were to then take the lamb and prepare it and put it in the oven. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus' body was being taken off the cross and being put in the tomb. Jesus completely fulfilled the Passover. 
And then the father of the home would take a loaf of unleavened bread and he would hide it somewhere in the house. And do you know when when he would pull it out? He'd pull it out the morning after Sabbath. That's just coincidence. And he would wave it before the Lord as a symbol of the harvest to come, of the first fruits harvest, and it's a symbol that was yet to come. Okay. Just as the Father is pulling the loaf out out of being hidden somewhere, Jesus is coming out of the tomb as a symbol of the first fruits of the harvest that was to come. I'm telling you, this book is really good. Passover's been fulfilled. I'll come back to Pentecost. Tabernacles. What, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? Okay, three feasts, right? Tabernacles, trumpets, day of atonement. Okay, here's, here's what you need to understand. The Feast of Tabernacles has not yet been fulfilled. It will be. Because a trumpet is going to sound. And when the trumpet sounds, there's going to be a judgment. But because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we're going to be able to tabernacle with God for all of eternity. That's going to happen. Okay. Right? Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles has not yet happened yet. So I have a question for you. Can you experience the feast of Passover? Like in other words, can you receive Jesus as the spotless lamb that died and was sacrificed for your sins? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You weren't alive back then though. See, see this is the argument against the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous reasoning. Because you weren't alive back then. Okay, don't miss this. You can experience the feast of Passover right now, right? Okay. What if the trumpet sounds and you're not alive? What if you're not alive when the trumpet sounds? Can you still experience the fulfillment of the feast of tabernacles? If you believe on Jesus and the trumpet sounds, even the dead in Christ will rise first, actually. You still with me? So why, explain to me why, why we can experience the feast of Passover and we can experience the fulfillment of tabernacles, but we can't experience the fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost simply because, well, we weren't alive back then. Listen to me, you can experience it. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like the disciples and the 120, even though you weren't alive. Pastor Peter Lord is the author of uh, Hearing God and uh, Turkeys and Eagles. You guys remember the story that people use? A couple of eagles were raised with some turkeys. And because they were raised with the turkeys, they started to believe that they were turkeys and not eagles. Okay, Peter Lord is the guy that wrote that book. He was the pastor at Park Avenue Baptist Church for 30 years in Titusville, Florida. During his tenure at Park Avenue... He was teaching a series on the Holy Spirit. He had been trained, and he tells this story, he had, been, he had been trained by his theological upbringing that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was only for back then that we can't receive it today. That's what he'd been trained. And again, listen, we just don't speak ill of another person's sincere commitment to a belief. And Pastor Lord tells this story about a time when he was studying for this message on the Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke to him during his quiet time. But that's something for those that feel like you, you've reached some level of elitism, that you hear God. He was hearing the voice of God too. And the Lord spoke to him during his quiet time and he said this. 
Have you received the Holy Spirit? And Peter Lord said, well, of course, Lord. The Holy Spirit lives in me when I got saved. The Holy Spirit came to live in me. And that's correct. Pastor Lord said, the the Spirit lives in me. Of course I've received him. During this time, uh, Peter and his wife had moved his mother-in-law in to live with them. She had come upon a, a crisis and she ended up having to move in with Peter and his wife. It's his mother-in-law. She'd been there for a few months living with them. And the Lord said to Peter, he said this, uh, Your mother-in-law lives with you, but have you received her? <laughs> Peter said, I thought, not fully. Not fully. <laughs> and the Lord said, uh-huh. And the Holy Spirit lives in your house. But because of your upbringing, you haven't fully received him. And I'm asking you this morning. Have you fully received the Holy Spirit? Sure, he lives in your house. But have you given him the opportunity? Have you been hesitant? Have you been scared, leery, skeptical? Have you allowed words to scare you? Have you fully been receptive to the Holy Spirit working in your life? Or maybe maybe you've expected the Holy Spirit to work and look and sound and move in a certain way. I'm asking you, have you fully received the Holy Spirit? Let's pray this morning, okay? Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet right next to Wilson Central High School at either 9 o'clock or 11 a.m. Hope to see you there.